Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. No Breaks, a Formula One podcast from the No Dunks, Inc. Classic Factory, proudly a part of the Athletic Podcast Network. We're back! The boys are back! The boys are back! Yeah. Whether you're joining us live in the Slipstream team here on YouTube, or if you're part of the Pod Squad listening later on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, maybe the Athletic app, thank you so much for joining us. I'm your host, Trey Kirby, and I'm joined today by our local F1 expert, and the biggest Brentford Bees fan I know. Ooh, did you see <laughs> those Gordian. bees? Did you see my bees? No. This past Sunday, no. you weren't watching. I can only watch one international sport. Great. Those and bees. I've been a I've been a Brentford Bees fan for four or five days now, and good? I'm telling you, they look great on Sunday. They got in a little bit of a hole. They dug themselves out. I'm I'm pumped for the. This is the most excited I've ever been about a Brentford B season in my entire life. <laughs> All right, I'll, I'll hop on uh, the B wagon. <laughs> yeah, well. it's, it, get it, get in there, folks. It's, there's TK plenty of room the on the train. Yeah, uh, come into come into the comb. That's what they say. Yeah, the it's the it's we're gonna start a new podcast <laughs> called Hive Mind. It's gonna be all Brentford Bees action all the time. Excellent. I, I can't wait for the updates as we go on. We've also got our team principal here on the pit wall making the right calls. JD, what's up, man? Hello. How's it going? Welcome back, Trey. Welcome back. Well, it's good to be back, kind of. Uh, it's good to be back <laughs> with you guys talking about Formula One, but also Hawaii is pretty fun to go to. I mean, yeah, you were living. You were. A true F1 summer break style. <laughs> Let me just jet set off. To, did you take a net jets there? Your own private jet? How did you get there? Yeah, it you was know, a it, it was it, a private jet. Um, you know, I did feel <laughs> bad about the consequences of it, but to yeah. get there quickly, that's exactly what I needed to do. And stay tuned <laughs> to um, TreyKirby.com. I'll be dropping my own Valtteri Bottas inspired ass picture <laughs> later from swimming in the Venus pools. Uh, controversial take: Every wedding should be in Hawaii because. <laughs> that is, it's that, very cool to go that's there. That's how you separate the wheat from the chaff is those destination weddings, uh, right? Not, Only the real friends make the hike. Exactly. Because <laughs> once you're there, you're like, everybody here, we want a party. Yeah, we flew a long committed. way to do it. Yeah. Uh, nonetheless, it's been a while since we've actually done a show together. Last time was Silverstone, but that was in StreamYard because I think you were traveling at the time. Uh, the last time in person was after the Canadian Grand Prix, <laughs> June 21st, since we've locked eyes. That feels like a lifetime about cars. ago. How's the past uh, two months been for you? I mean, it's been good. I was in New Jersey a couple of times, and now I'm back. You know, it's good. Life's good. Summer's been nice. I mean, it, from an F1 standpoint, it's been catastrophic, and I've been yep, going through yeah, like an, yeah. an absolute like spiritual crisis. Yes, and, I, and thinking maybe I need to abandon this sport entirely. But otherwise, things are good. Yeah, I listened to. Um... Your Austrian Grand Prix recap with Skeets here in the Classic Factory. I was traveling back from Florida. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think that was after a Leclerc win, and I remember. Yeah, that saying, was. Oh, oh, it ain't over yet. It, yeah, it could still happen. It could still happen. And I was just laughing to myself. Literal LOLs. You thinking that something 
fortuitous could happen to Ferrari after we'd seen the first third of the season. That was that was a real rope-a-dope by the universe <laughs> on me, right? I, that, this false Big hope that I was given that perhaps maybe we might get a yeah, competitive rest of the season. We have gotten an, an exciting end to the first half yeah, of the season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's been drama-filled, and but not in the ways that I... Hoped. Yeah, Not. maybe the drama isn't totally at the top of the table right now. No, no. But the shows were awesome. We had Michelle Beadle as a guest. You did uh, the show last week with the Red yeah. Flags F1 podcast. Those guys were guys. incredible. Uh, it seemed unfair to me to have three people who knew what they were talking about on the microphone, <laughs> though. We usually like to go with for a one in three it's a one, ratio Yeah, like here. a 1.5 uh-huh. person's worth of knowledge. Yeah, no, so yeah. Yeah. I like it. I like it. We're expanding. Uh, we're expanding our universe around here. We're finding... Uh, new and fun guests. I made an appearance on the Scuderia F1 podcast, uh, Kevin Clark's Ringer show at one point. So hopefully we can get some reciprocation as well. And we might have a couple of more guests this year. A couple of folks I've talked. I'm going to keep it secret for the moment, Come but on, a man. couple very exciting folks, people who really know what they're talking about, people who actually maybe do this for a living. So that. That could be exciting. Very, very exciting. This is basically our one-year anniversary of launching the show because we did a mid-season recap for the 2021 season during last NBA offseason, which is kind of when no breaks really got on and pop, and we talked about our favorite races, the biggest surprises, the biggest disappointments. You want to take a guess at what a biggest surprise or a biggest disappointment was from the 2021 season? I mean, you're looking at my notes, so if you're not getting this one. Okay. Yeah, I can yeah. see your notes. So now I've ruined it. Yeah. <laughs> Look yeah. That's all right. I, w- I okay, was laughing when I saw Daniel Ricciardo showing up as biggest disappointment for yeah. the player in last season. So that's – so yeah, that's got to be a big disappointment from last year. I'm looking at – you know what the big surprise is on there that I honestly didn't remember was Williams with 10 points. Yeah, I do happened? like – I mean, I do like vaguely remember that, but it's like I honestly had kind of – that had gone out of I had that the other big surprise on there is Carlos signs ahead of Charles Leclerc, which I do remember. I feel like yeah, that was a bigger storyline. You know, but the yeah, I barely even remember where they got those points. Yeah. Shows what sort of extra <laughs> yeah. expert I am. Once the season is over, for it's me, like it's all out there. It's like window. a standardized yeah. test. You gotta learn it for that year. The, this is it. the it's this is the period of life in which I've had infant twins. So if you're telling me I don't remember <laughs> the that sort of details, like how like where what races did Williams get their points in is like not the sort of information I'm retaining at this time. Yeah. Uh you can you can fill it with other important things like uh swaddling maneuvers, things like that. Mm-hmm. Gotta know how to do it but mm-hmm. looking back it got me thinking 2021 was an incredible formula one season that we watched i felt very Wild. fortunate to have launched the show at that time with the way uh we had hamilton and verstappen going head to head it went down to the last lap of the last race of the season a controversial ending but thrilling throughout the entire second half and through the first half of the season as well you think this has been a good season do you think this has been a fun formula one season so far through the first 13 races you know what? I I think yes. I think this is a good season. I, I think for newer fans or even just those with kind of who are a certain amount of recency bias, you might be like, oh, well, it's 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 not as razor thin as it was last year. But a, I actually think every, for all intents and purposes, every single race the the outcome is uncertain. There are multiple teams that could win every race. There are plenty of years where that doesn't feel like the case. There are like plenty of there I, I think if people go back a couple of years ago, there's tons of races where it's lap five and Lewis Hamilton is 
10 seconds ahead of the car in second and it's like cool whoever's gonna it's incredibly clear how this is gonna go down and there's like there and that just hasn't there there are comparatively few of those races this year well yeah it's because ferrari gets into a lead and then blows it and then blows it that's the difference because this is a blowout season at this point verstappen has won eight times in 13 races which is incredible leclerc has won three and then a red bull and a ferrari driver perez and Sainz each have one win so two teams have won every race so far i I just think it's are we gonna is this gonna go down as like one of the great seasons or most memorable seasons? No, but has it been fun to watch? In my opinion, absolutely yes. Cause every I walk away from comparatively few of these Sundays being like, that was a boring race. That was uneventful. Okay. I think like most of them, it's like something crazy goes down. Or the they've either been very high quality from a pure racing standpoint, or they've been very dramatic, even if that drama is fueled by like mistakes or you know car failures or whatever it might be right it's like it's i think it's been fun we've always had something to talk about a hundred percent a hundred percent things and this is one of my favorite like uh work days in the entire calendar when we're getting ready to do the mid-season review because i just watch the highlights from every single race i'm like this is so much better when you're watching it recapped in seven minutes getting excited about something that happened uh months ago because like you're saying it doesn't totally feel like we're gonna have a competitive finish to the championship here like we had in 2021 even 2020 i think is gonna go down as more competitive for the top two drivers all things considered but it at least felt like uh like ferrari was gonna have a chance to knock red bull off the top of the pole which is why we should pull up our standings now take a look here before we get into our favorite races we got max verstappen up top the driver's standings he's got what, an 80-point lead now over Charles Leclerc in P2? Leclerc has only a five-point lead over Sergio Perez for third. Perez is followed by Russell, Sainz, Hamilton, Norris, Ocon, Valtteri Botas there with Alfa Romeo in ninth, and Fernando Alonso, he's Alpine for the time being, down in 10th. In the team standings, Red Bull has a pretty solid lead over Ferrari, 97 points away from Ferrari in P2. They're followed by Mercedes right on the heels of the Ferrari there, 30 points behind for P2. Alpine's in P4, followed by McLaren, Alfa Romeo, Haas, Alfa Tauri, Aston Martin, and Williams. Only three points for Williams uh, at Mm. this point. Ten at the break last year. Another step back for Williams, unfortunately. But, Graydon, let's talk about our favorite race. Uh, We were talking in the dock. The best race so far this season has been England's Grand Prix, the Silverstone Grand Prix. Other than that, or... If you want to even touch on uh, Silverstone, what would you say is your favorite race so far this season? I mean, yeah, I, I think I I threw that in the dock because I was like, I feel like we're both just going to say that. Especially yes, the last, yes. like, five, however many laps after the restart was, you know, the, the best racing we've had all year. For me, I look back and, okay, so there's two answers here. There's the real answer and then there's Graydon's answer, and I'll do the <laughs> Graydon's go. answer is I really loved Austria. Because it felt like there was a lot of differing strategies playing out over the course of the race. There was uncertainty at the very end with uh, Leclerc's throttle issue. Um, You actually saw them overtaking Max, and it started to create the impression that maybe, like, oh, this is going to be really competitive, and Red Bull just doesn't simply have the best car over the course of the rest of the season. And at that moment in real time, 
for me, it was like, this is this is really thrilling because it feels like maybe we've got a fight in our hands and my favorite driver is killing it today. So that was that. Sure. For me, the, the actual one that I, when I thought back on it that I really loved was actually Saudi Arabia. I thought, I thought it was a really good race. You saw, first of all, great battle between Leclerc and Max at the very end of the race. Yep. Max gets the best of him, but that was some terrific racing and some terrific race craft by both of them, especially Leclerc, the way he was kind of gaming the system with DRS, like you know where he was letting Max pass so he could repass and things like that. Very clever racing on the part of both guys in real time. You saw great battles between the Alpine, o, you know, uh, Ocon and Alonso had a great back and forth throughout that race. It was kind of respectful but hard racing between teammates. Very cool to see. And in general, that's a that's a track I've been very critical of. It's safety and, and things like that. But I, I, I couldn't help but walk away and feel like this was fun. This was exciting. I, I, this, I really enjoyed this weekend of racing. So that, that for me was... I think probably my favorite. Yeah. What about a, you? A super exciting race. And the thing I really liked about the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix was how it built on my choice for favorite race so far, the Bahrain GP, the very first one of the year. You're mentioning uh, the clever racecraft between Verstappen and Leclerc, like playing the DRS off each other when they're letting them pass so that they can get the chance to overtake again. In the first race of the year, it was Leclerc who came out on top kind of dummying Verstappen into passing him multiple times until Verstappen had burned out his tires and Leclerc was left. We had a Ferrari 1-2. It looked like we were going to have a real title fight there. And then in Saudi Arabia, it was the complete flip-flop with Verstappen kind of letting Leclerc take the lead only to DRS him back, overtake, and finish P1. So I thought that was a a real fun start to the season. We had uh, the great uh, Haas start. In the Bahrain GP, I think Kevin Magnussen maybe finished fifth. Yeah. Something really high. It was like, oh, we got another team here who's in the mix. Uh, Obviously, both Red Bulls DNF'd in the very first race of the year. It just looked like, you know, if Mercedes wasn't going to be able to keep the pace that they had in 2021, at least Ferrari was stepping in to give us another title contender. So I'm with you. I thought Bahrain was great. I thought Saudi Arabia was great. And then, obviously, Silverstone has been the best uh, best race of the season. We've seen multiple times, though. Throughout this year, well, we'll have in Silverstone included, in Austria included, four or five cars like battling through the same corners, which has been yeah. very cool to see. Those have been some of the best moments to me. There was like a nine lap restart at Silverstone where it was Hamilton, Perez, and Leclerc in a battle. Eventually, Fernando Alonso, Lando Norris caught up to them. It's just awesome to see five cars in like deep into the race, you know, 40 laps into the race, actually fighting for position. So, For all we talked about new regulations early in the year, it's paid off in some respects, even if we don't necessarily have quite the parity that maybe was pitched to us heading into the year. Yeah, I think it's right. I I think that's right. It's it's not kind of fully realized yet, you know, the 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 the, these new cars, these new regs, but it does feel like it's a huge leap forward and you're getting some close racing and an ability to follow through corners that just was not there in years prior. You know, so it's I don't know. I I, I think it's great. And I also think we're just at the beginning of this era. They're just beginning to iterate on this. It's gonna get better and better over time. So I'm very bullish on on this era of cars and the quality of the racing that we're gonna see in the seasons to come. Follow along if you're there in the Slipstream team or if you want to leave a comment on YouTube afterwards. Let us know your answers for all of these. Favorite race, we're going to talk about biggest surprises, biggest disappointments as well. So let's move on to our biggest surprise of the season, Graydon. What has uh, really wowed you so far this year? What is the biggest surprise? So I, I, I think that the... 
the gap in this kind of this is this is surprise slash disappointment. I'm kind of cheating here, but I think the gap in between the two McLaren drivers surprises me a little bit. I mean, Norris is is really driving very well for a guy who's piloting a car that I think for all you know, by all accounts is not that strong. Um, I think that I'm surprised that Mercedes has come as far back as they have come. I they, I mean, they just, the car looked really limited in the start. Oh, it yeah. looked like the problems, there was every part of the car was a problem. It was a mess up and down. And the fact that they've been able to get back to a place where they're doing back-to-back double podiums, where they're decide they're very much in the fight for second with Ferrari. That I I think that's a huge comeback on their part. So and and something that I I on this show I mean I actively doubted that they could make that le- that this much of a comeback in that time. I guess if anybody could do it, it's the boys back at Brackley. But I'm still a little surprised. Those are I mean big. What about you? Yeah, I, mean, uh, I think the Mercedes is a good point because like probably through the first half of the first half, some would call it the first quarter of the season. All we talked about with them was porpoising, and it was very strange to see Russell out driving Hamilton almost every single week. But now reflecting back on it, it almost feels like they were just experimenting with Lewis. He's like, I will try anything to get this car back to a championship level car. Whereas with George, they're like. Just drive it straight forward. You're going to excel because your car is better than anything you've been used to. Whereas Hamilton, the experiments were leaving him at the front of the pack or at the back of the pack. He was having to start eighth. He was having to start 10th. Now they've really kind of dialed in their car, and you can see it in the results. Hamilton's still one of the best drivers on the grid, no doubt about it. I think he's going to get a win in the second half of the season. So seeing them actually come back uh, and challenge for uh, P2 in the Constructors' Championship right behind Ferrari, I think is uh, very impressive. From then, and then I'm with you. Uh, the gap between Norris and Ricardo is surprising to me because when I think of McLaren this year, I'm like, what a floundering team! What a yeah. step back they've taken this year. But then you look at the results, and it's basically just because Ricardo's been bad in the car for them. Lando Norris, yeah. he's seventh in the drivers' cons- uh, championship right now. I know on Reddit they track Formula 1.5 wins. You know, throw out the top three teams at this point because you're not challenging Red Bull, Mercedes, or Ferrari. Four wins for Lando Norris amongst the other seven teams there. Is he leading Formula 1.5 He's leading Formula 1.5 right now, just ahead of Fernando Alonso. So maybe the car isn't all that bad, and maybe he's just not getting a ton of support uh, from his secondary driver. And I'll also throw Alpine in there for a pleasant surprise as well. Oh, yeah. P4 in the Constructors' Championship right now, and I think they've had pretty bad luck. Like They could easily be, they could easily be, not not competing with Mercedes for P3, but like, confidently in P4, a mile ahead of McLaren, if they didn't have, you know, some of the gremlins, car gremlins hadn't struck at a few times this year. Yeah, and it's uh, strange to me because, you know, when I started watching F1, Renault was kind of ascendant. And that's like when Daniel Ricciardo joined the team, he left. Who knows what that's going to end up being as it goes forward. But I don't know. It feels like uh, the fourth place team right now is a tough spot to be because we've seen like Racing Point was the fourth best team. Last year, McLaren was the fourth best team. As soon as you're there for one year, you're going to fall back. Uh, So it'll be interesting to see how they handle their second half of the season because I did note a little testiness at the Hungarian Grand Prix between Ocon and Alonso. I think they touched up pretty early. I know Alonso was uh, bitching about Ocon's defense a little later on in the race as well. So uh, they've taken a step forward this year, which I think is good to see. And it might all completely blow up in their face because Fernando Alonso wants to drive for a green team. Respect to him. 
All right, as for biggest disappointments, mine is Ferrari. I mean, they completely fooled us, man. They've got a fast car, but now I just think they got lucky. I just think they got lucky early in the season with Red Bull failing out. I think it's the – wait, I feel like it's the opposite. They, I don't think they're, I don't think they're lucky at all. I think the car is, I think it's been the fastest car on the track more weekends than not. That, that's what I'm saying. They just got, they, they got, got lucky to actually win early in the year. And, and okay. now they have not had the luck go their way th- due to some driver error, due to some car malfunctions, due to some bad strategy stuff. To me, they've got all the talent. They've got uh, all of the skills in the world. They've obviously, like you said, built one of the fastest cars, one of the two fastest, often the fastest, but they got no culture or no chemistry. Like, you've seen a super team blow up so many times in the NBA, and that's what this is to me. This but is like throwing it's... the Lakers on a cover of Sports Illustrated. Maybe I'm. Maybe this is like a semantics thing, but for me, I don't feel like it's It's like a, a luck thing, though. Like, they're, I feel like it's like they are self-defeating. Like, okay. it's not like they're, like, stumbling into these failures. Like, they are screwing it up. Yes. You know, like it is. <laughs> well, yes, they are. They are definitely. <laughs> like, yeah, that's what I'm like, saying. They got lucky early. Like yeah. the standard state of things is messing things up. Okay, so, so you're me, saying it's like they got lucky, lucky in the not sense mess that it up they early accidentally on. They did a accidentally good job. won early they on. They accidentally yeah. did a good job. Anytime I, Ferrari does something right, it's not on purpose. It's <laughs> there. I think that they're – I mean they clearly are the, the biggest disappointment of the season as I think if you – they're – there is an alternate reality in which Leclerc is – I don't think he's blowing it out of the water and so far ahead of Max that it, the season's over. But there is a world in which he is leading the driver's championship right now, it, it, just with a few errors here or there, a few strategic decisions differently. Uh, you know, it's that the, it, it's, it doesn't take that many differences to – because let's not forget, it's not just more points for – Charles, it's also in almost all those instances, less points for Max. Sure. And that gap comes way down very fast, right? So he's a big disappointment. But I actually think that there's a, a few teams that I expected more out of this year. Who else? For Alpha Tower is at the top of my list of disappointments. They, they're just every race, they're, uh, they're nowhere to be seen. Gasly, who we repeatedly talked about last year as kind of one of the sleeper best drivers on the grid, looks looks really mediocre you know yuki as much as i love the guy and i think he you know he's a fun character honestly is is really having a subpar season you know he's right he's right down there at the bottom with with williams speaking of which you know i actually this might sound odd i'm disappointed in williams it sounds odd to be like disappointed in the team i mean only three points they had 10 at the break but i just but also this was for me if you're like a team that's struggling at the bottom and it's a whole new regulatory environment and you've got a chance to make a leap forward, you know, they flubbed it. They didn't they did it they did not do a good job at our ma- at all mapping the car to the current regs. They should have sprung forward. They should be I'm not saying they should be up there fighting for fourth, but there's no reason they can't be in the Haas Alfa Romeo like you know level fight right now and, and because they're they're they were no they were better off last year than Haas was you know so to yeah. me it's like if that's the benchmark there look at the gains that Haas made in just one year I think you have to look at Williams and say they're kind of underperforming I guess you're right I guess you're right they're not even fighting for ninth at this point which is uh kind of no. where Williams has unfortunately been prior to last year but I'm with you I mean I had I guess I hadn't even really considered Williams to be in the mix but uh yeah they are and then like you're saying Alpha Tauri honestly just invisible they're P8 in the constructors I'm watching all these highlights back the only time they show up is like 
Gasly passing into 14th place or crashing into somebody. Him, I don't him even and like, Yuki have had so many collisions with others. It's just it's just a, a nothing team really right now. It's incredible, and I, I think Yuki's got to be worried about his seat next year. He's, you know, he's not looking great. I don't think he's under contract yet, right? And the comments coming out of Helmet Marco, coming out of Red Bull, they don't or the the broader Red Bull organization, not the team itself, you know, don't don't feel that supportive. Uh, I I definitely I don't want to necessarily see him go, but that's a that's a broader organization, the Red Bull Driver Academy, where they are just stacked with talent, stacked with young guys knocking on the door. So I mean, if you're in that seat, you've you've got to perform to keep it. And I think he's got to start wondering, does he have it again next year? In general, that's that's a bummer because it. Unless we forget, it's only a, it's only uh, two years ago that they won a race. Yeah, you know they won a race, yeah. and that and I understood a lot of luck and a lot of factors went into Gasly winning that race. But you know this this is a team that has looked like it's it's slipping year year over year, not building. Which no is doubt about it. So that's our most surprising, most disappointing. Let's hear what you got in the YouTube comments. Uh, we've been giving out full beans driver of the weekend for the entirety of the races uh, so far this season, Graydon. But after 13 races, it's time to give out the Full Beans Driver of the First Half Award. This goes to the driver who was given the most beans out there. I don't know. I, I personally didn't go through and like uh, reference my previous beans to see how these actually add up. I just want to know who's kind of been the driver of the season for you so far. For me, it's... It's George Russell. What? I think that— Mr. Fifth Place? I I just think that when you look at the way the car was performing at the beginning of the year, he looked he looked great. You know, he I think he's been one of the most consistent— He's I think he's the most consistent driver on the grid outside of Max. And mm-hmm. Max is almost an unfair comparison because of the quality of the car that Max is driving. So it's—I think— I think he's looked great. I think the fact that he's ahead of Carlos and Lewis Hamilton in the standings is very impressive. Carlos is in the far superior car, and Lewis Hamilton is one of the greatest drivers of all time. So being ahead of those guys and Lewis in the same car, no easy feat. I just think he's looked really, looked really good. So I, I, I'm very impressed. I definitely, I've always been bullish on George Russell. I've never been like, oh, he's he doesn't actually have that much talent. I, I always have thought he could compete for titles in the right car, but I think he's really showing his stuff this year, and I'm impressed. Yeah, you're impressed. right. He's probably been slept on a little bit considering, you know, people considered him a, a potential replacement for Lewis Hamilton down the road. What's it going to be like if Hamilton is actually challenged by Russell? Uh, but with Mercedes taking a step back, just taking a little bit of a step back, probably his success has gone underrated uh, this year to to continue to finish in the top five. Like every single time he's finished has been super impressive. So that's a great choice, actually. Who's 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 yours? Charles Leclerc is my full beans driver Ooh, of the first wow. half. He's the story of every race. Like Max yeah. Verstappen is going to go out there and he's going to do his thing. He's going to finish first or second as long as he finishes. Like Verstappen is the most consistent and best driver mixed with the best car right now. So like, He's dominating, and we barely even talk about it because all anybody wants yeah. to talk about is Leclerc. If he finishes on pole, if there's a bad strategy decision, if he crashes out from the lead, 
more than once. You know, there's always something going on with Leclerc. He's really been the driver of the narrative, I do feel, yeah. so far this season. So for me, I'm giving him my full beans. Half beans I would probably give to Fernando Alonso because he's kind of been that guy for the mid-card, you know, kind of getting sure. in little dust-ups with past champions. He's always pretty racy, and then obviously we've had this silly season drama, which has been a, a huge story. I will say that, um, first of all, that's fair, that no – no doubt in my mind, Leclerc is like the protagonist of this season. Mm-hmm. Even though Max is going to win the drivers' championship, it's like he's the 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 story of yeah. this year, right? You're 100 percent right. I will say the other thing is he is driving incredibly. He has taken a leap. Oh yeah, he is the only guy out there who week over week is matching. Max in terms of his quality on track you see the gap it's a little bit like Lewis and Max last year where they used to drive away from Valtteri and Sergio and it was the two of them out there again it's Charles and Max are driving away from Sergio and Carlos and it's them out there fighting for the win you know most weekends I know not 100% of the time so his his quality is very evident and at the end of the day he personally has only really made Two errors all season, Emila and then France, right? Which, to be honest, Max has made errors too. He went yep. into the gravel in Spain. He spun out, you know, two weekends ago. Whatever it is, it's like it's not that Max has literally driven batted a thousand on his driving. It's just, I mean, Leclerc's errors in particular, France, have been more costly. Mm-hmm. But it's the it, so honestly, I think I think that's a great pick in the sense that he is the guy where I think because people expected him to have a good year, we're underrating perhaps underappreciating just what a huge leap he's taken this year and how much better he was than last year I think yeah I think uh, that's exactly right and I think it'll be fun to watch through the coming seasons through the second half of this season to see if he's able to put it together the way Verstappen was the way he was able to kind of like you know calm down the crazier parts of his instincts and just drive a smarter race and just get better and better the way Verstappen was to let finally, finally happen for him. It's going to take a while for Leclerc, I think. Yeah, and last, I, uh, so just to continue on this for one more second, I do think it's – there's two things about Leclerc compared to Max and then compared to George and some of these other guys who are emerging as kind of this next generation of contenders now that the Hamilton era is kind of subsiding is that this is really Leclerc's second season in a competitive car, a car that can Mm -hmm. really win races on any given weekend. Um, And George has arguably never even been in that car, even still now. But I think what what we are seeing is the emergence of uh, a a multi-year title fight that could be very, very good. Totally. I think it's yeah. like this. Yeah. Like this, we could be going into an era where it's like year in year out. There's a small cast of characters that I think includes George, Charles, Max, and potentially depending upon what sees in Lando Norris, who I think has the skill. It's just about the car, you know. Like yeah. and 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 it could be an awesome series of title fights for uh, uh for whatever period that you know before the regs shake up again and maybe you see guys slip up or down, but. I think it's I think it's exciting, even if maybe this year it's decided. I think this is like chapter one no of doubt. what we'll no look doubt. back on as like a, a very fun competitive era. I yeah, think. it took a few years for Verstappen to actually yeah. to actually beat Hamilton. Basically three seasons, right? Like nineteen, kinda close, twenty at Seemed like if everything lined up perfectly, maybe he could take down Mercedes, and then 2021, it finally happened. We are kind of in between the one and a half sort of era. 
uh, for Leclerc at this point. So we shall see how that plays out in the future. Uh, before we go for this break, uh, great. And I want to get a random prediction for you from you for the second half of the formula one season. What's something you think that'll happen that nobody's guessing. Are you ready for this? I'm ready. Fernando Alonso wins a race. Wins a race? Wins a race. I love it. I love it. I have him on the podium. That okay, was going to be one of mine. Okay. But that's not bold. I mean, that's just a prediction. You're going for a bold prediction, and I, I mean, love I'm it. trying to go a little bit. I mean, yeah, do you I, gotta, if I had to, if I put money on it, I'm probably not putting money on it. But he has here on looked a podcast. capable of winning a race to me. Like he's been fast out there. He's had like he's qualified second, right? Started P2 at one point. I don't think he's led a race yet this season, but he's been close. If a lot of weird stuff happens, he could easily take the. We dub. just okay. My argument for this is. First of all, I have no idea if he's actually going to win a race or not, but I'm saying it. I'm saying it, and I'm sticking with it. There we go. But it's it's it, most every season we have a handful of races where things really go awry, and you see a really crazy podium, and it doesn't actually have that much to do with the quality of the cars. Certainly, a good drivers can make the best out of crazy scenarios and can walk through doors when they open, which is part of the reason I say Alonzo. But I feel like we're still waiting. We've only seen Ferrari and Red Bull win races. Mm -hmm. And I think that we will get a couple of races this year where it's it's a collision between Max and Charles and then an inconvenient safety car lets somebody hop up. And, the, you know, that sort of stuff happens. That's what led to the the Gasly win that we, you know, we mentioned earlier. You know, so that – I think that sort of stuff does happen and, and we'll get – Something like that. Alonso's been knocking of the door, and when he when he put the car in second, uh, which race was it? I forget. But you know, you, you know, he he put it on the front row. You know, I think stuff like that. Um, was it Canada? Maybe it was Canada. Could have been Canada. Yeah, it was yeah. it Canada? And that so that sort of stuff happens, and we just haven't seen as much of it this year. So I feel like we're due for a couple races that are crazy in that sort of way. Yeah, we need some more random drivers on the yeah. podium. I would love to see Alonzo get a win going away from Alpine. Like, it would be the, <laughs> the most awkward thing. The for most sure. awkward celebration yeah. ceremony. Everybody, like, being super happy for him, but also Congrats, not. Congrats, kind yeah, of. It'd yeah, great. it'd be great. I like that. Uh, my random predictions I got a Lewis Hamilton win. That's not very bold, but I do have Mercedes catching Ferrari for second in the Constructors' Championship. You like him to overtake well. him? Yeah. I mean, Mercedes is trending the right way, and Ferrari is trending Ferrari's way. It ain't going smoothly for Ferrari, and they sound like they don't want to change anything during the break. They're like, we're good. We're I, good. What we're doing, it's fine. I think the Hamilton W – I think it's a bolder – okay, I guess it's not a bold prediction to say a guy who's gotten second a couple of times. <laughs> is it, But it's kind of bold in the sense that it's like it's – it's you know, they're not – They're third place. They're, the, they're they're Whether or not they end up second in the driver's standings, they have the third fastest car on the grid, like kind of whether they have – they wiggle their way into second. Sure. So it's like in that sense, yeah, it's not easy to win races when you, you know in that so I think it's I think it's it's bolder than it sounds. Previous years, that would have not been a bold prediction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly right. I think Lewis Hamilton's going to win one here. Yeah, uh, it feels good to get back to predicting that, though. I remember I used to predict that for every single show. The good old days. Oh, it is a good old. But we want to hear from you, so let us know in the YouTube comments. Tweet at us. Send us some emails. Biggest surprises, biggest disappointments. Hit us with a random prediction, and of course, you got to give out your full beans. We're going to take a break here. When we get back, we're talking basketball. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. 
Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Back with no breaks. In our first ever episode about a year ago, Graydon, we did Formula One drivers as NBA players, but this is the remix. Formula One constructor teams as NBA teams. We'll go through all 10 teams on the grid, and we will give their NBA counterparts, you know, from maybe like a legacy standpoint, a personnel standpoint, and certainly from a vibe standpoint. I'll get us started. My first team, number one in the standings. Not number one in most people's hearts, I would say. Red Bull. Red Bull. Red Bull Racing. Their NBA equivalent to me is the Golden State Warriors. Mm. I will say it's not a 100% perfect match, but both teams, defending champions. Both teams would consider themselves light years ahead of the competition. (laughs) Okay. Max Verstappen, Stephen Curry, Two of the greatest talents in their each individual sports, their personalities, they don't necessarily line up together, though I do know that Steph likes to call himself the petty king, and Max Verstappen, he's been known to be petty in the past. I would also argue that Checo Perez is the Clay Thompson of Red Bull Racing. He plays both sides of the ball. <laughs> yeah, he's a defender. <laughs> he's an aggressive it, driver. He's it. a defensive driver. He's generally well-liked. And obviously, Christian Horner is Draymond Green, the driving force of personality behind the team and a vivacious trash talker. Okay, I I get it. When you went into that, I was like, what are you talking about? Other than the champion, other than the yeah, title. Sure, I mean, sure, I get sure. like the most recent title, but I was like, I, I don't get it. But now I think I get it. Yeah, and you're, I, you're, I think you're I, thinking I, the Warriors are too well-liked, aren't you? I don't know. You know what I was thinking is that I would have, I would have compared the Warriors to a different team. Well, I guess we're going to compare every team to the well, Warriors. Well, we're going to go. <laughs> they're all 10 teams. How are all, all 10, 10 teams. teams like the Warriors in their own way? Um, <laughs> okay. I, <laughs> I actually like that. We've changed the subject completely. <laughs> okay. yeah. um, but the – I get it. No, that's good. I don't know if I have an. I don't know if I have an alternate there. It's tough. Maybe it's, it's the. Tough. I was gonna go with something like. It's it's for this exact era for this exact moment because I feel like there's like, maybe they're more like the, the Miami Heat or something like that. Okay. Like savvy, perennially competitive, um, have had eras of great dominance. Um, All right, you know, like something it. like that. That's what I was going to go with, but but I like where you. I like how you came. I up. would definitely accept Miami Heat. I would probably think more like you know LeBron James era, twenty eleven to twenty fourteen Miami Heat. Yeah, that's the problem. Is it almost it it it's it, you have to contextualize it. That's fair as well, right. though. All right, let's move on. Ferrari, what you got? Okay, so for me, I'm thinking. The Warriors? Icon- the, yeah. war- the Warriors. And yep. why, but why the Warriors? <laughs> nice. no, I, no, so I was thinking you've got a team that is an iconic, uh, one of the iconic franchises in the league, kind of one of the one, the team that is so deeply associated with the sport itself, a team that used to be one of the most dominant teams of all time. 
Um, and in recent years, at least very recently, has been a contender, but kind of a poser contender. I went with the Boston Celtics. I love it. You know, so that That's like great. somebody who's knocking on the door, but honestly can't really put it together and, 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 and hasn't been able to pull in a title, despite the fact that everybody thought they had all the pieces in place to win a title, kind of is falling apart when push comes to shove. And then for me, it's really, though, it's the only – I feel like there's only really one other that you compare them to, and it's – they're kind of the Celtics or their – the Lakers, uh, sure. You know, sure, like yeah, I yeah, would just yeah. like the the iconic teams, and then also the Lakers' kind of tendency towards being a bit of a train wreck in recent years feels <laughs> feels relevant. Yeah, know? definitely true. <laughs> uh, I actually love the Celtics, and I think it um, is certainly timely as well with the Celtics going to the finals and coming up short against the Warriors, who are Red Bull. You got to lose before you can win. We saw it with every champion out there. Um, Even Michael Jordan lost in the playoffs back in the day. So Celtics is a great one. They got a great young star in Jason Tatum. I guess he's the Charles Leclerc uh, of the Boston Celtics. And Carlos Sainz, he makes a nice Jalen Brown as well. Right? You're like definitely the second guy, but a great second guy to have. Great second guy to have. And like Jalen Brown's super talented, but like also most talented guy who can't really dribble. You know, it's like, (laughs) it's like, you know, Carlos Sainz, like super talented, but most talented guy who like kind of can't help but drive around in the gravel all race. It's like that, you know, it feels feels relevant. Jalen and Jason, similar names. Wow. Carlos and Charles, similar names. I mean, this This is lining up. I am not going to. They, they only get worse from here and clunkier from <laughs> yeah, here. Yeah, it gets a lot harder. It's in the it end gets a of, lot harder the bottom of the standings was a lot harder than the top. Here's a tough one for me. Uh, Mercedes, the Silver Arrows. I kind of wanted them to compare them to the Lakers. We saw that a lot early in the season when, when they were. Russell was out driving Hamilton. It looked like they were a championship team that had completely fallen off, even though they still got one of the better talents out there. But I ultimately settled on the Milwaukee Bucks. Lewis is Giannis Antetokounmpo, one of the best drivers, one of the best players out there. George Russell is both Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday because he's a great second star, just like both those guys are. So to me, just like the Bucks, probably have the best player in the league. Mercedes has at least the second best driver on the grid, but they still have no chance at a title, just like the Bucks had no chance at a title last year due to injuries. Okay, I... Like it. I get where you're going. This is the one I thought you were going to say, the Warriors. Okay. I get they, the Warriors came back and won the title this year, which screws up my analogy. But I was thinking it's like they had like an like a super dominant era during the 2010s in which they kind of, you know, in which they just were leaps and bounds ahead of other people, but not unchallengeable and found themselves being beaten in super dramatic, unexpected fashion at some point along the way. Um, but now, even in after that era, are still competitive, but probably not the same level of dominance as they once saw. That was going to be my That's not bad. My That's argument. not bad. If George Russell was a little bit more smiley, he could be Andrew Wiggins, you know? Yeah. Oh, I, like that. <laughs> I don't know like what that, that means, but he could. I, I, I mean, uh, <laughs> All right, moving on. P4 in the Constructors' Championship is Alpine right now. What you got, Graydon? Okay. I thought there was a lot of different ways I could have gone with this one. But I'm going with the Brooklyn Nets, mostly because <laughs> what have you got here? You've got a seemingly competitive team in which a two-time world champion is walking out the door on you, throwing everything into chaos. 
<laughs> I mean, that's, that's what I. That that's lines what up I've got. all right. That's what I've got. And and seen. I mean, that's I don't I don't know if the the comparison goes much beyond that, but it feels like a team that was on the verge of being confident, was on the verge of competing, and suddenly things are falling apart for it unexpectedly because of a star that's on his way out of town. I think that I think that's perfect. You. <laughs> Like, uh, when I was on the Scuderia F1 podcast, uh, they asked me, what's something you would change about the coverage? I'm like, silly season could be even more crazy than it already is. If you look at the way the NBA does things, yeah. if if if, the, if F1 were to able to blow the, the transfer portal open the way that the NBA does, it would be crazy. Oh, you could, and like, trade exactly, drivers? Well, that's almost exactly what happened after I said it, it was, like, you know, Fernando Alonso opts out. He's going to be going to Aston Martin, leaving the team completely – floundering for what they're going to do, even though they're in the midst of supposedly a solid season for them. That, to me, is very NBA to be making almost like a trade request, just being like, well, this team that I put together, it ain't for me anymore. And that's similar to what's happened with Alonzo coming back from a few years out, having some success, and then bouncing almost immediately. So I will willingly accept uh, the Nets as a comparison for Alpine. And I'll also say, you know, Alpine, back when they were Renault, had a very cool color scheme. Black and yellow. Yeah. Very cool. Now they've gone to their French-looking color scheme, the, which is fine, but they kind, had, of, kind of milk with toast. They you. had my favorite – not, but one of my favorite liveries, like, designs because depending on whether you were looking at it from the front or looking at the side, it looked all black or all yellow, which I thought was cool. It was, like, a cool yep. effect. I thought that was nice. All right, moving on. I got McLaren up next. I see some people in the Slipstream team saying you should compare them to the Suns color-wise. It makes sense. Uh, The way the Suns fell apart in the playoffs, it also makes sense. But I'm likening them to the Philadelphia 76ers because they've got one supreme talent. Both of these teams do. Joel Embiid for the Sixers, Lando Norris for McLaren, and then they've got another guy. That used to be Ben Simmons for the Sixers. (laughs) He's a little bit of a Ricardo, like, what's going on out there? What's going on? But now it's Harden. An older guy who is maybe not at the peak of his skills Ooh. right now. That's also Daniel Ricardo. So the team is always relevant, and they might have a chance, but it ain't going to happen. I like that because, okay, I, Harden was never beloved the way Ricardo was sure. beloved, oh, but yes. he is a big <laughs> yes. personality. Yeah. He is like a big personality who was a, a supreme talent, and, and that is seemingly going awry for him late in his career. All right, yeah. so 76ers for McLaren as I like well. It. And I also think I uh, like McLaren it. wants to be loved, just like Joel Embiid and the 76ers. They also want to be loved. They love the awards. Um, moving on down the list, Alfa Romeo. Who's your NBA comparison, Graydon? This one I thought was tough. This was very tough, and I struggled with it a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I am going to go. and But as I thought more about it, I decided that I was going to go with the – Portland Trailblazers. Okay. And the reason I went with the Blazers is because I threw a dart at the board and that's what came up. No, I it's is because I was kind of like, okay, classic team, one of the iconic kind of brands of the sport and one that many decades ago was very competitive, but in more recent times kind of bounces along in relative mediocrity. Sure. Not towards the bottom, not towards the top, just kind of somewhere washing out in the middle. And that felt – that's probably actually a little bit harsh on the Blazers maybe, but felt like in the – you know, felt a – you know – the Blazers are probably a little bit better on average than yeah. Alfa Romeo is in terms of how they do, but something about right for me. And I also feel like one more is Valtteri is 
a weird is kind of a weird fan favorite the way Damien is. Sure. Like like people do have outsized love for Valtteri. Yeah, people um, want good things to happen for Partly Botas, because just like he's they a do with second Lillard. fiddle. I know Damien's the guy in Portland, but I think he's a second fiddle league wide. Yeah. You know, he's never like the man, you know, the a top five NBA player. Even he's like he's, the next best thing to he, Steph Curry. And it and it feels like Valtteri has been chugging along for years now as like the second best thing behind an an all time great. It felt like there's That's there's great. something there. That's really great. Uh, you actually hit on that. I was going rockets. I was like, did I literally just? It was. T- I mean, that, that was a tough red? one. It was a tough red? one. <laughs> These only get harder from here. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Exactly right. Uh, up next for me, Haas. I think they're the Charlotte Hornets because everybody mm-hmm. wants them to do well because we just like them. Like we just like them for no reason. <sighs> I love that. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Mick Schumacher is Lamelo Ball, talented, and he's got the name recognition. Gunther Steiner is teal uniforms. Everybody loves the teal uniforms. Everybody loves Gunther. And Kevin Magnuson, like, what? I I put down P.J. Washington, but only because he's, like, a a notable joke uh, amongst no dunks, uh, the Chevy tracks of the NBA. So Kevin Magnuson, just a solid driver out there, has moments of greatness, like P.J. Washington hitting six threes in his first NBA game, something like that. Love it. The Hornets, the Haas Hornets. Actually, sounds all right. Okay, love it. Who you got for Alpha Tauri? Okay, Alpha Tauri, I'm going with the Oklahoma City Thunder uh, for a couple reasons. Okay, okay. First of all, a team that changed its name in somewhat recent history. <laughs> good, <laughs> like, good. It used to be called something else. Now it's got a different team name. But also is, I feel like, just like a, a perennial young guys team. It's just like always like guys are always cycling through sure. like it's always got this young crop of youth. It's it's it, whether it's Presti's pick hoarding or the fact that, you know, AlphaTauri is a feeder team for Red Bull. It feels like they just are kind of always on the, the younger edge of the league slash series. Um, so that's who I had there. That's pretty solid, actually. I, I, I don't it, know. Because it kind of feels like similar to AlphaTauri and if you cut your teeth at OKC, eventually we'll get you on a better team. You know, we'll, yeah, get, yeah, we'll yeah. get you to a good team where you can do some stuff. OKC, obviously, it, OKC's peak as a franchise is much higher than Alpha Tauri's peak. But Alpha Tauri, lest we forget, has won races. They won races with Vettel. They won a race with Gasly. It's not as if they've never stood on the top step, which also to me felt, you know, it's just been a few years now, you know, since they had – that since they had a generation where we have got the next generation of great drivers because Vettel, Max, Carlos Sainz, so many incredible guys have driven there. So. I think that's great. Uh, P9 on the Constructors' Championship is Aston Martin, and this one was the most confusing for me. I don't mm. know if they're the Knicks or if they're the Kings. They could be the Knicks because they had one random good season. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they just had that one pink Mercedes season where they finished very high up. They've got a lot of uh, nepotism, <laughs> you know, is getting one <laughs> of their drivers a spot. And then they've got an old guy, Sebastian Vettel, alongside him. That's not dissimilar to the way the Knicks obtained Jalen Brunson. And, you know, Tom Thibodeau loves to play old guys. They could also be the Kings because they fool the Kings fool us every year. You know, as soon as the Kings are eliminated from the playoffs, I feel like they go 8-0. As soon as there's no expectations, that's when the Kings are at their best. That's when Aston Martin was at their best. They've also got a young talent that I'm not totally convinced on. Lance Stroll okay. for Aston Martin, De'Aaron Fox for the Kings, and then one oh, okay. former star, Sebastian Vettel slash DeMontis Sabonis. 
but I will I'll admit I, I like the Knicks one more only because like it feels like the sort of this is a hard one. Yeah. But it does feel like the there's a certain like arrogance to the Knicks organization in front office or like it, that that to me maps to like Lauren Stroll and his sort of belief that Aston Martin was just destined to compete for titles and would after they made all these upgrades but honestly you know those things have not borne fruit and it's been backsliding as an organization that was that is a tricky one this is a good one uh, good comment though from Andreas here in the Slipstream team Aston Martin are the Clippers they spend so much money but never win anything I mean that's not that's it's not wrong. It's not wrong. That's not wrong. It's not wrong. Uh, so good call on that one. P10, three points only on the season so far. Bring us home, Graydon. Who is Williams? Uh, if it's not OKC, I'm honestly kind of shocked here. Okay, I wasn't going to say OKC. Sure. I yeah. wasn't going to say OKC. Well, I already They've said been OKC. Taken. They've been taken. So, okay, I had, two, I had two options here, and I'm going with – and it's – you know what? The two appropriate options – it was either going to be Bulls or Spurs, but I'm going with Spurs. I'm going with Spurs because the Bulls are much better than the Spurs right now, and the Spurs who are kind of bo- are in the middle of bottoming out, like a formerly great team, one of the iconic teams of the league, like a, a team that dominated an era, but is in the middle of fum- is like in the middle of fumbling its way through a transition and is currently bottoming out. Yes, it feels like they actually. Are- That's a little harsh to San Antonio, I think, who honestly yeah. has never reached kind of. The, like the bottom, the bottom of the barrel, the, the way Williams yeah. has like just been like it's, it's that that's too that's too harsh of a characterization. Maybe the maybe the Rockets uh, having bottoming out is more fair, but I don't. know. But I went with San Antonio. I was only gonna say the Bulls are too good to be Williams. I was only gonna say in the sense that when Williams was dominant, they were incredibly dominant, but now has had an era where they just are they just are not as relevant. So that was where that was coming from, but I feel like that works for San Antonio as well. Well, I'm glad the Bulls actually won some games last year because it would have been very depressing for you to be completely accurate on <laughs> Williams and the Bulls being. If the, the Bulls had had a bad season last year, <laughs> yeah, like I, it actually five. would have been a good a good comment. yeah dominant back when uh, TVs were. Super grainy. That's the <laughs> yeah. last time anybody remembers oh them actually winning anything. Uh, so, yeah, thank you to the Spurs for trading all of your guards and becoming Williams. That's our list of Formula One constructors as NBA teams. Let us know what you think down below. What did we miss? What did we get right? If you got any other comparisons, chuck them in there as well. We're going to take one more break, and when we come back, some updates maybe on some driver stuff. You in the Peloton cult as well? Ooh, I Sounded am a like cult it. member. <laughs> Dennis Morton, I am. I'm a, every time, every time the beat hits, the same foot kicks, my friend. That's, That's exactly right. I know. <laughs> I, I have a lot of fun coming up with like fake. Dennis Morton lines. He might say like things where I'm just. It's like you know some sometimes friends. You know when you're. Uh, you know times are hard. Times are tough. But that's why you just gotta. You know get on that. I can keep pedaling. So we're all in this together, friend. That's why we're dancing in the dark with the boss. Here we go. Turn the right back. Turn that up. That is spot on. Spot on. He 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 leans towards the cheese sometimes. Yeah, I must say, but I love it. I love it. You gotta buy in when you're in a cult. Very funny. I I mean, like 
Once you start following one Peloton instructor on Instagram, you start following all of them. Oh, yeah. Like, that is like, actually true. Did yeah, every yeah, Peloton yeah, instructor yeah, yeah, yeah. get married this summer? Yeah. I feel like they're going to weddings like every three days. It's crazy yeah. to me. Uh, my one complaint with Peloton is that they uh, they play Here Comes the Sun too often, but mm. it's not the mm. Beatles version. And if you're changing the melody of a Beatles song, you better be good. You yeah. better think you got better melodies than Paul McCartney and John Lennon, and guess what? You don't. If you take too many classes, <laughs> yeah. like I'm a big Tune Day guy, I'm a lot of Tune Day Only oh, yeah. classes. It's like a lot of songs do come back up, but yeah, yeah there's a, there's there's a few staples in there. All right, speaking Anyways. of something that's coming back up, <laughs> silly season. What a segue! What a segue! Let's talk about Oscar Piastri and Daniel Ricardo. I feel like we should bring Lee Ellison here for his yeah I'm... Australian insights. What's going on, Graydon? I listened to the podcast last week. The Piastri tweet, <laughs> the Piastri tweet dropped mid-show. Felt like a trade deadline to me. Um, but what we've got going on at this point, we know Fernando Alonso. He's going to Aston Martin. Lock it in. Correct. That's the only thing that's completely locked in. I feel like at this point. That is the only thing that I feel a hundred percent confident saying I know that will happen. But it does feel like Piastri is going to be driving for McLaren next year. I. Th- Think so. I literally pulled out my phone just to double check that, like, <laughs> during the course of this show, that like things haven't changed yet again. Because now I'm like a little bit traumatized that you know everything we say is going to be out of date, like at, at any given moment. It, it it does feel like Piastri wants to drive for McLaren, McLaren wants him to drive for them, and that Alpine's contractual standing is not airtight it seems like most i obviously haven't you know looked at the contract myself but most of the people i've seen commented on it seem to think that it's not you know it, he's not as locked down as maybe altmar safnauer was initially suggesting and that their tweet announcing him would clearly you know lead you to believe so that you know it, it feels like that is the most likely outcome at this time but there is a you know a board that reviews contracts and will and will eventually adjudicate the matter and I guess their ruling in this will be very critical. I guess there's a possibility that they will say you are contractually obligated to drive for Alpine. At which point, you'd have to presume Piastri drives in Formula One versus stubbornly says no, I do not want to drive for them. I am not doing that. I will sit out a year or whatever. Huh. That would be Ben Simmons. In, I guess <laughs> I, that would 76ers. be yeah, I, but that would be crazy to me. Has that ever happened before? Um, a team basically saying, "Sorry, we got you under contract. You're driving for us no matter what." I gotta presume so, but not to me. Is anybody in the Slipstream team remember that? Yeah. I don't. In, in recent memory, that doesn't come to mind for me. I'm not gonna say never because there's definitely some Wild West days in the, throughout the history of Formula One. I will say, I also don't think that'll happen because from what I've read. Piastri has a decent relationship with Alpine, always had a good relationship with the team, and this is partly just being – I'm not going to say that he's not his own guy and it's just all on Mark Webber or other people advising him, but his manager, Mark Webber, former F1 driver, and like other people felt like McLaren was a better choice sure. for him and wanted to make that deal happen, so they're pushing for that. It's not so much that Piastri – like resents Otmar Safnau or something like that. That's at least I don't know how he really feels, but the reporting I've seen suggests it's also not as toxic as all that. It's just gotten really messy and complicated. Yeah, they probably found a way to get to a team that they would prefer to drive to, and they're going to take it. Whereas uh, Alpine is probably like, oh, we thought we had you locked up. 
Maybe well, we and forgot in their to do defense, our signature at the right time. In their defense, you know, uh, not very long. You know, Alpine also thought Fernando Alonso was going to be driving for them yeah. next year. They were very caught off guard and had told Oscar Piastri, you're going to drive somewhere else next year. And it was likely to be probably Williams or McLaren. And and he was like, well, I want it to be McLaren, so I'm going to try to hash out a deal with McLaren. You know, that. so I don't think it's that sh- – shocking that he that he went and did all that yeah. and that he now wants to stick with it it's just really blown up and i would say mostly alpine's face yeah i would agree is is mclaren a better seat than alpine do you think i don't feel like it is i don't necessarily think so i would say this year i think alpine's been the better car they're ahead in the standings but i also think that they've probably had the more consistent car they've had worse luck than mclaren um i think that which is, I mean, what surprised me about Alonso leaving in the first place was him going to a significantly mm-hmm. worse car. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I, 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 I don't know what Piastri's thinking here long term. You know, maybe he likes the culture more at McLaren. Maybe he's gelled with the guys there more. I, I, I don't know. But it's definitely this is a, this is a a a, a wild hot mess. Oh, I, no doubt about that it. That nobody anticipated. Um, my next question, I guess, would then be, like, what's the Piastri scouting report? I know he won F2. I know he's got some hype, but, you know, people put up the stats, and he's not. he was not as dominant in F2 as Verstappen was or as Charles Leclerc was. Sure. But th- he's the guy who's, like, calling the shots on all this stuff before he even I mean, makes it to Formula 1. I think he's surprising. thought of as a, you know, as a guy who won – Formula 2 is a rookie and had won Formula 3 before that. You know, he's thought of as one of these ascendant talents who, like, very assuredly deserves a shot, deserves a uh, a, a drive, right, and a chance to see what his stuff is in an, in an F1 car. I I think that, you know, is how is he going to really react? I, you know, I don't know. I don't know how he's exactly looking his testing for Alpine or what that testing is going to look like over the rest of the year if they – if he's, you know – uh, if he ends up not staying, I don't know whether they'll honor their obligation to give him a certain number of hours in the car. But, I mean, he, he seems to me like a guy where it's – there's he is on that very, very, very short list. In fact, at the very top of the very short list of this guy at least deserves a couple of seasons to see whether he's got the stuff. And, you know, yeah. just simple oh, as that. You know, uh, so. Yeah, I remember people were saying it was a surprise that Zhou Guan Yu got the seat with Alfa Romeo last sure. year ahead of Piastri after the way their Formula 2 seasons went. The other question then, I guess, is who's going to be driving for Alpine? Who will be the second seat there? I have no idea. I mean, it seems like a lot of people are saying Daniel Ricciardo. He came from Renault when he moved over to McLaren, McLaren and Omar Safnauer and a who, you know, is a, is a different, you know, person running the team now has said no hard feelings there. We'd happily have him back. I think he's a talented guy. So it's possible that they would welcome him in the seat. Uh, my understanding is there isn't another top-tier guy in the kind of Alpine Driver Academy pipeline that they're looking to bring up that's like their, their Piastri number two, at least not to the best of my knowledge. So... I really don't know, you know, the, I've heard floated that you wouldn't it be cool if they got Pierre Gasly, you know, two French drivers on a French team that came up last week. And certainly Gasly's relationship with the larger Red Bull organization feels a bit rocky. Some of the comments from Helmut Marco and other folks, their confidence in him seems to be waning. So if there was a way, for, but 
that contract signed and seemingly it's a done deal. Although I guess as we're learning in real time, contracts are only so. Tomorrow, <laughs> only Rain, so... you've been following the NBA for how long? Yeah, contracts I like don't matter. Yeah, so it's I, I don't know. I, I I that is a question mark that I wish it had a better answer. Do you? I mean, do you have any idea? No, I have no idea. I'm like I'm feeling like a total sicko because now I'm learning about Formula One contracts. Like apparently Daniel Ricardo has a humongous buyout that yeah. he'll be seeking from McLaren, so he's going to get paid. Allegedly, Pierre Gasly has an out clause in his contract where he could leave for a team that finishes ahead of AlphaTauri in the Constructors' Championship, which is almost every team at this point. So yeah. he could go to Alpine, which would be cool, two French drivers. He would be, I think, the unquestioned number one over Esteban Ocon, though they're maybe at the same level. I think Gasly's a little bit better. So it remains to be seen. This is going to be a crazy, silly season. It's already started off with that, and I always think it's so awkward coming back after the break when teams have, or drivers have signed deals with different teams. Like, no matter where Alonso ends up driving next year, he's going to be Aston Martin. He's got to finish out the year this year. And it still behooves Alpine to have him win as many races as he can so they can get paid out at the end of the year, too. So crazy, crazy stuff. I would love to see uh, Gasly get another chance at a better car, though. I'll tell you that. I I would be – listen, I don't know if that's going to happen. I don't know how interested Alpine is. That's definitely more fan speculation than I've seen from any kind of official channels. However, I do like the idea. It feels to me like he's run his route. He's not going to get another shot in – the RB, I, I really just don't think so. I'd, I'd love to see him just shake it up and and ride it out with a different team for a bit. I, I'm, I don't know. I would be happy with that outcome. For me, the least, I don't want to be a hater here, but I'm not that excited about the idea of Ricardo taking the seat. I, I don't want – I know everybody loves him and he's fun and drives survive and he's a big personality and he's like a fan favorite, but he really feels like he's struggling out there. Totally. And there are so many young, talented guys that deserve a drive, and I just don't know if I think that's a smart move by Alpine who it's like, hey, we're in a dogfight with McLaren. Let's take their like far second best driver yeah. and replace him in our lead spot. I don't think that makes sense. Nobody gets more engagement on social media though, Graydon. I get he's he's great and he is a total character. He's super fun, but it's like I just think I just think that's a mistake and they'd be better off with a I don't know with somebody else. <laughs> they'd be better off with anybody else. Uh I'm with you. We shall see uh as it turn uh, as the time turns as the table mm. as the table as the, as the table turns as we the shall table see <laughs> and time ticks moving on moving on to <laughs> what i think shall be a new segment around here graden i'm going to call it lewis hamilton doing stuff you mentioned yeah. last week he's part of a group that now owns the denver broncos Here's what Lewis Hamilton was doing this week. He's on the cover of Vanity Fair magazine. Got a profile in Vanity Fair magazine. Here's the thing that caught my eye. It's a tweet from ESPN F1. Lewis Hamilton was set to star as a fighter pilot in Top Gun Maverick, but had to back out because filming clashed with the F1 season. How pissed was Vin Diesel when he saw this? This guy was going to be in Top Gun, and I'm showing up ready to drive a car and he won't drive in fast and furious 10 with me i was feeling for vin when i saw that that you saw that and your mind went immediately instantly to vin diesel and look how man he feels. we've had we've had we have a 20-year saga about driving a car as fast as you possibly can the best driver in the past 20 years is friends with the guy who started it 
And you're telling me he's not going to be in it? The real But he speed. wants to be in Top Gun. This is really Yeah, because that's where the real speed's at, baby. It's in the sky. <laughs> speed is in the sky. <laughs> <laughs> that's where the guys are. I, I mean, yeah. I mean, it would have been fun or funny. I mean, I'm, I'm, up, I'm down for more, like, weird F1 cameos. I want, totally. like, more, like, t- like super tertiary. What? Like, I want, you know, it's like, I, I'm trying to think of who's i don't know i haven't Something seen the new top driving gun so or flying like, anything yeah. like he's just a. it is like pierre gasly like it's like a french you know they're like oh we're gonna go <laughs> battle the bad guys together they even say who the bad guys are in this one i don't know i haven't seen it yet have you heard it's you, good you see top gun maverick yet jd yeah i saw it uh, is it good oh it's great it's really good yeah okay. uh it lives up to the hype which is seems crazy because yeah, it's yeah, so yeah. incredibly yeah. hyped but uh yeah I liked it in spite of myself. And we watched we watched the original like three days before and that because the kids had never sure. seen it. And they were like, What is what are we watching? <laughs> what is this? It did not for and them it didn't for hold them, up. They, they were like I'm, I'm like, this was like the best movie when it came out. Like but they were just do we have to go see this movie? <laughs> like because we So had, did they like the new one? They loved it. They loved it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. They're big Mission Impossible guys, and so yeah. they like Tom Cruise sure. and stuff. They just couldn't believe. I guess it was quite cheesy, and uh, I <laughs> <Yeah>. don't know. <laughs> yeah, it is fair. a little bit. Nothing really happens in the first one. They're in school for They're in school for the, a lot, like the first three quarters of the movie. So, can yeah. I have a, a gripe about the first one? Yeah, real fast. My problem with it is the way they resolve all the drama at the end. You know, he's up there, they're in this dog fight with these Migs, mm-hmm. and he starts thinking about Goose, he starts to panic. Um, Tim Robbins is behind him, Merlin, right? Tallest yeah. uh, tallest Academy Award winner of all time, yeah, Tim very, Robbins. Yeah. Right? And uh, he, and he's, and <laughs> they, and he decides that he's like gonna, He's like, I'm gonna fly over here and kind of like take a moment to wrestle with my demons. And like, mm-hmm. everybody's like, oh no, like Maverick's disengaging. And then he like, so he flies over there. Then he like gets it together. He comes back and he kicks everybody's ass. But like, that's not how a battle works. You don't get right. to just like call time out and like go yeah. over here and like, and like cool out <laughs> and then like course? come back. Like, no- and so yeah. I don't, yeah. I, that's, I need a moment. I need a moment. <laughs> yeah. That I would thought that's war. ridiculous that he just is. It does that. I I thought that was always a peculiar resolution to the film. Yeah, you're a hundred percent right. <laughs> Are you sure that it was Tim Robbins in the back of that? Check, check, yeah, I'm pretty sure. I think it's Merlin. He plays. Look, All look right, this I'm, I'm going to look it up. You got to continue. Look continue. This up, look this up. The, the slipstream team. If I'm wrong, well, somebody honestly, will I be mean, actively calling me on it right now. I 100 percent. There's not here. much more on the rundown. So if we want to spend the last, you know, five minutes figuring out where Tim <laughs> Robbins was situated, <laughs> it would on. actually it would actually phone. fit in here. Because uh, what I was going to ask you, Graydon, is like, what are we going to do for the next month? What are we possibly going to do? Because the next race isn't until August 28th in Belgium at Spa, a classic Grand Prix. We had a bad one last year, all rain. So what are we going to do? We got a few weeks here. I know y'all mentioned. Let me break in here. Tim Robbins was in fact Merlin. Boom! Wow! There, you go. there we go. How did he fit in the cockpit? How did he even get? How did he even, <laughs> he's so tall. Crazy! Incredible! Incredible! Uh, well, maybe that's what we should do: is watch Top Gun. Watch Top Gun. We've got some movies to watch. You mentioned yeah. Driven. Absolutely, you we have to that watch to me. that. Okay, have so, you seen it, JD? I, I have not. I've That's, never seen it either. I saw it in the theater. Like it, it probably Wait. came out when I was in high school. This is oh, the Stallone really? one, right? Stallone yeah. and um, is the it? Hayden? Okay, no. So we're Christmas? we're gonna watch no. Driven. Yeah. 
we're gonna have on a guest for uh, I'll just reveal now my my uh, buddy uh, Jerry Hildebrand who drives for an indie car is gonna join us on the podcast um, talk a little bit about real racing and open wheel racing the difference between Indy and F1 cool. really excited to have him on I think he'll have some cool stuff to say um, don't forget to ask him if he likes pumpernickel toast we're gonna <laughs> talk about important. pumpernickel toast yep. we're gonna talk about all these things I think we're and then and then soon we'll be back. The, we'll first be back. of all, Spa is at the end of this month. Yeah. It's not that far away. Feels a, a long way away to me. It does feel. But what, three weeks? We'll be, but we'll be there soon. We'll, we will find a way to fill the time, I assure you. Indeed, we will. Send us some emails, nodunks at theathletic.com. Also, another thing I wanted to pitch, you mentioned wanting to do a Graydon Explains segment at some point where you actually came... explain how things work in Formula One. So topics for that send those in as well send those in if there's things you want to understand how they work this will involve me having to go and research them and learn enough about them that i can explain <laughs> them there's nice. not necessarily tons of things i could well, just rattle off how like the look MG how fast UK we got works. to the bottom of whether or not tim robbins was merlin <laughs> i mean I, I get to the bottom of it i knew it all along you did you i never along. i never doubted it for a second never doubted it follow graden at mr gordian uh on twitter you think Ke- kevin durant's gonna get traded this week graden I have no idea. I no, not this. I, I week. agree. It doesn't not feel this like this week. week. I saw not Joe Sai was tweeting uh, that he's got Steve Nash and Sean Marks' back, but yeah, not, it doesn't feel like this week. No, I don't, I'm going to say not this week. Yeah, I went away for a week and it felt like nothing happened in the NBA, JD. Absolutely, uh, nothing. that's because nothing did happen. It yeah. was great, great yeah. timing, um, perfect timing. But unfortunately, it means oh, see you, buddy. We don't have any <laughs> <laughs> basketball podcast scheduled because right now it's all just guys playing. At pickup leagues, pretty much. But we got no bunts tomorrow. That's Wednesday, 10 a.m. Eastern. That's going to be Tass and Lee. Yep. I expect on that one. Great to see uh, Judgy socking dingers give Lee something <laughs> to talk about. I'm sure we'll hear some random cricket names as well. We've got Is This Good Ooh. on Thursday with Maddie O, 1 p.m. Eastern. He'll be hosting that one with Lee and myself. Looking forward to that. Do we know what's up for debate in, in what is good? No. We have not been told yet. Haven't seen it yet. Wow. Yeah. Matteo. Keeping secrets. What is well, he's just madly uh, researching stuff and trying to come up with the best topics. That's right. Yeah. That's that's how he rolls. Is this topic even good? Should really be the question. Was this even good to discuss? Are these, I'm going to do a meta podcast where I just critique his choices. <laughs> next summer. Next summer. That's going to be uh, the next podcast next summer. Go back, listen to season one, yeah. and yeah. decide if it really yeah. was good. Yeah. Um, so that's Wednesday. That's Thursday. And we'll be around if any of these big trades actually do happen. But until then, Clipper Bros. You heard it here first. Have a great time. Turn up. Love you guys. Awesome. Thanks for joining us. And I got to say, Graydon, straight up bars last week. Be fast or be last. <laughs> there you go. That's, that's, <laughs> thanks for joining us. <laughs>